Discover the hidden Israelite ancestry of some of the most powerful nations on earth. Watch as scripture unveils the terrifying future of America and Great Britain as revealed through the sabbatical and jubilee years. Discover the identity of Assyria and its role in this final jubilee cycle. Learn of the pending judgments that are to be soon poured out as a result of transgressing the sabbatical years. Sighted Moon. Shalom, brethren. This is Joe Dumont. You're listening to SightedMoon.com, and welcome back. We've had a little bit of a hiatus, but we are now approaching Shavuot. And one of the things I wanted to talk about as we get closer to Shavuot, or as we keep Shavuot this coming week, is the unpardonable sin. Now, we did an interview with Keith Johnson. Uh, you probably already heard it. And we, I asked him that question about the unpardonable sin. And he didn't exactly answer it. So he told me to go and do some research on it, and maybe I'll come up with an answer. So I've done that, and I've done some research, and I've looked at the material that he provided, which was so insightful to help me to understand this stuff a little bit better. And the unpardonable sin was one of those questions that always concerned me. Have I sinned? Have I done that one thing that Jehovah is not going to forgive me for? When I've asked that question in the past, my pastors always said, well, generally, if you're asking the question, then it means that you haven't committed that unpardonable sin. That was reassuring, but it never answered the question, what is that unpardonable sin? Is Genghis Khan committed the unpardonable sin? How about Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin? They've killed millions of people. Is that the unpardonable sin? What about you? Your sexual perversions that you still indulge in, is that the unpardonable sin? That you keep going back to it over and over? You're hooked on porn. Is that the unpardonable sin? You know, when we ask this question, or we, you, you go and look it up, the Christian answer is, Jesus died on the tree or on the cross to forgive all your sins. So there's no such thing as an unpardonable sin. But that's not true. That's a Christian lie. That's another Christian lie on top of all the other ones. Yeshua said something to the rabbis. And they were asking him a question, and they were trying to trip him up. And they were actually arguing with him. What is the unpardonable sin? Have you committed it? And I'll say what my pastors used to tell me. If you're listening to this and you're studying your Torah and you're learning, chances are you have not committed the unpardonable sin. But here's something else. I'm wanting to talk about this at Shavuot. Why? Because we're coming up to the anniversary of our ketubah with Jehovah, which was made at Mount Sinai. That was made 3,396 years ago, this Shavuot. It's our anniversary date. But what has the unpardonable sin got to do with Shavuot? A lot. A great deal. Now there's something else I'm going to throw in here. In Acts, you read about the apostles. And they're going around, and they've got the Holy Spirit on Shavuot. Flames of fire came down on their head. So this is on the same day that the Torah was given, that now the flames have come down and the Holy Spirit is given. This is what Joel talks about. 
in the last days. His spirit will be poured out on all flesh. What's that got to do with the unpardonable sin? A lot. <laughs> A lot. And I'm, I'm trying to get you interested and, and get you to listen to this and read the article that I've written about this because it's amazing. And I just learned this this week. Yes, I continue to study in subjects I want to know more about and go into deeper depth in. I want to learn these things. I want to understand. Let's go to that article. It's in Matthew. Matthew 12, 30, 30 to 12? That can't be right. Anyways, Matthew 12, uh, starting verse 30. Therefore I say to you, Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. So you can curse out Yeshua all you want, and you'll be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the unpardonable sin. And that's the one all Christian rabbis, teachers, pastors, quote, not so much rabbis, but you know who I mean. Let's get it in context, because that's just taken out of context right there. Let's go back and read the whole chapter here and see what's going on here. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him, so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? They were asking, Is this the Messiah? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But when Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan... He is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or, how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first binds a strong man, and then he will plunder his house? He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be, be, be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks the word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, you being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man, out of his good treasures of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasures, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. 
for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Those are Yeshua's words, ladies and gentlemen. And they are very, very strong words. Yeshua was healing in the name of Jehovah. He tells us, when you pray, pray to Jehovah. And they're saying that the spirit of Jehovah is Beelzebub. They were approaching the unpardonable sin. And he warned them. This is Yeshua speaking. Now, let's jump forward. He's dead. The Holy Spirit's been given on the uh, day of Shavuot to the apostles. That's Pentecost for those who don't know what Shavuot is. And 5,000 people were converted that day when Peter started speaking. 5,000. Everyone's excited. They've been going around hearing that Yeshua's alive. He came back from the grave. They've heard people talking to him. The people on the road to Emmaus. They've seen him. They've touched him. He's real. He was dead. He was in the grave three days and three days. He came out. He's alive. They're all excited. This is the messianic kingdom they've been waiting for. They're waiting for it to take place. Peter goes out and preaches. They get arrested. He goes out and preaches. And there's 5,000 converted and start believing in Yeshua. Then they all start giving their, 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 their produce and, and they're selling their houses. Um, Yosef. Yosef, and he became known as Barnabas, sold his property up in Cyprus. You can read that in Acts 4. And he gives his property, the proceeds of his property, and lays it at the feet of Peter. Everyone was sharing their goods. They're excited. It's the end of the age. We're here. The kingdom's about to begin. But then there was Ananias and Zephira. Zephira. And they weren't 100% sure, but they were getting caught up in all of this. And they wanted to be a part of it. And so they came and they gave, they sold their house and they gave the money to Peter. And then Peter gets mad at them for not giving it all. No, that's not what it says. That's how some people interpret it. Peter didn't get mad because they didn't give it all. He also told them, he says, you could have kept some. You could have kept as much as you wanted. But what you've done is you've lied against the Holy Spirit. Why don't you just read it? You know, Acts 5, 1 to 11. But a certain man named Ananias with Zephira, his wife, sold the possession and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land you for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things, and the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. That's scary stuff. Now, it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, 
The feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead. And carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. How is this story connected to Shavuot and the unpardonable sin? But I'm telling you they are. Have you figured it out yet? Do you see? You've got a few clues. Okay. Let's jump into my discussion with Keith Johnson. You can listen to it. It's on the podcast. It'll be up before this one goes up. And that was an awesome discussion. What is the name of God? What is the name of God? I urge you to get Keith Johnson's book, His Hollowed Name Revealed Again. It's a stunning book. The amount of research that Keith and Nehemiah Gordon have done in, in researching this subject is astounding. And I highly recommend it. And because of them, I've gone from saying God and Jesus to saying Yahweh and Yeshua to saying Yehovah and Yeshua. And that's been my progress. The beginning of the name starts with a Y-E, Ye sound. If you look at all the Old Testament names that start with Ye, like Jeremiah, they begin with a Y-E and they finish with an A-H, a Yah. And they begin with a Ye, Yehovah, Yehovah. So, you know, I don't, if you have a different version, that's great. Get your own radio show and publicize it. Back up your facts. I backed mine up with Keith Johnson's research and Nehemiah Gordon's research. And I'm quite confident in their research and I'll stand with them. So, Keith Johnson, in his book, His Hallowed Name Revealed Again, is working up to explaining why the, the Jews will not use the name Jehovah. They will not pronounce the name. They are deathly afraid of pronouncing the name. And now it's pronounced once a year on the day of Yom Kippur. So we got all these Ephraimites coming along. They're learning a little bit of Hebrew. They learn just enough Hebrew to become dangerous. And they got all these different spellings or pronunciations of the name. It's awesome that they're learning. It's awesome that we now know Jehovah has a name. He's not just God or Lord, but he has a real name. And that was amazing to me to learn. And these these name wars, sacred name wars that are going on, I don't get involved in them, and I'm not going to get involved in them. His name is too special to drag through the mud in fights and divisions. I happen to believe his name is Jehovah. If you believe differently, awesome, great. I'm glad you've done the research to prove it. But I believe it's Jehovah. There's a commandment in when they came uh, when Jehovah came on Mount Sinai, there's a commandment. You know, there's ten commandments, obviously, but there's one there that I grew up understanding. Uh, you shall not take the Lord God name in vain. So we were not allowed to say God damn or Jesus Christ as, as cuss words. If we did, we not only got our mouths washed out, we got a slap across the back of the head that would have knocked us into next next millennium. That was for my mom. And if my dad found out, look out. 
I still, even what I just said there now, gives me shivers to say that. I can't use God's name as a curse or Jesus' name as a curse or Yeshua's name as a curse. I just can't do it. But that's what I understood the third commandment to be. Not to swear. You shall not swear. And that then was broadened out to include all these other swear words. And just so happens all the swear words we have today are found in the old King James Bible. I should, <laughs> I should do a teaching on that one day and just offend the Bible belt to no end. Every swear word that we have today comes from the King James Bible. So it's what we've said were swear words, which was normally part of the normal language back in the 1600s. If you want to hear that language in use, go to Plymouth Plantation or Plymouth Rock, where they have a, like a pioneer village there. They use the old King James language in both English and in Dutch. And they use what we call swear words today as normal language then. It was quite shocking for me to hear it when I was there. It was quite shocking for my family and my children who were at that time were three and four years old. They came out of there with a whole new a whole new vocabulary. And, but it was a, a very good learning lesson for me. All our swear words come from the Bible. So Exodus 20, verse 7, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. That has nothing to do with swearing. You know, the way we understand it today. Because, you know, there's, and we're going to read them. The other verses where Jehovah says, you're to swear by his name. And then there's other verses that say, we're not to swear by his name. So what does that mean? What's going on here? And what has that got to do with Shavuot? What's it got to do with the unpardonable sin? And what's it got to do with Ananias and Sapphira dying? Well, what Keith Johnson said in his book is stunning. And I'm going to paraphrase. I'm not going to quote it exactly because I'm going to paraphrase it because he doesn't draw the same conclusions that I do that I have here today. And so, you know, it's this is not what he's saying. I'm just using some of his, his some of his information, which leads me to this understanding. And, you know, I may be wrong. Great. I may be right. Go and prove this for yourself. As I've always said, the, you know, cytomoon.com, prove all things. It doesn't say cytomoon.com, believe Joe. It says prove all things. You're to go and prove it. I'm going to give you the information. I'm going to tell you where the scriptures are. You go and prove it. Because when you're standing before the judgment seat, I'm not going to be holding your hand. You're going to be standing there by yourself, and you're going to have to say, your Torah says this. That's why I did it. If you come up and say so-and-so, or Joe, or Keith, or so, and they said it, that's why I do it, and it's wrong, that's your own fault. Prove all things. Test everything. So in this expression, Exodus 20, verse 7, there's the word take, right? You shall not take the name. So that word take in Hebrew is nasa. Nasa. N-A-S-A. -A. Just like, you know, nasa. It's to lift up. So the same word is used in Numbers 23.7, Numbers 24.3, and Numbers 24.15. In Numbers 23.7, And he took up his oracle and said. 
So it's to take up, it's to lift up. This word NASA is to lift up. That's why we lift up these rockets to go into outer space, NASA. So the next key word in this same uh, Exodus 20 verse seven is the word shav, shav. And it is translated as vain. So back to Exodus 20 verse seven, you shall not take NASA, the name of the Lord God, the Lord your God in vain, shav. S-H-A-V, shav. Now, this word shav, the translators have, uh, have had a lot of difficulty translating because it's not an easy word to translate. So it means deceit. It can mean deceitful, deception, emptiness, empty, false, falsehood, lies, vain, vanity, vision, and worthless. So which one of those words does this apply here? Well, the translators took the word vain. Now, I want you to listen to what Rambam says here, and but I also want you to listen because he's trying to push a, a doctrine in here at the same time through this, so I'll see if you can catch it. Uh, he says the following on this word shav, S-H-A-V, shav. It is forbidden to show contempt for God by making an idol. So it is forbidden to disgrace his name by using it for no valid purpose. The plain meaning of the verse implies that it is forbidden ever to utter God's name casually for no valid purpose. So that's Rambam. Did you see what he subtly tried to slip in there? He's putting a ban on the name. He doesn't want you to say the name. He doesn't want you to say the name so that you will not speak his name in vain. Did you get it? Did you catch that? So it is forbidden to disgrace his name by using it for no valid purpose. That's according to Rambam. So let's go and look up these words and see what they actually mean. Let's not rely on Rambam. Let's not rely on me. Let's look them up. Now, throughout that book, His Hallowed Name Revealed Again by Keith Johnson, it talks about how we're supposed to use Jehovah's name to bless people. We're supposed to use Jehovah's name to greet people. So, and I'm mad at myself. I'm going to say it publicly because in the interview I did with Keith Johnson, I kept telling myself, when you're done, when you're done, when you're done, when you get to the end, when you get to the end, say to Keith Johnson, bless him in Jehovah's name. Bless him in Jehovah's name as you say goodbye. And what do I do when I get to the end? I forget. So we're to greet each other and bid each other farewell in the name of Jehovah. And you read this in the book of Ruth, and Ruth is read at Shavuot. And if you haven't read Ruth yet, go and read it, this Shavuot. Read the book of Ruth, listen to Boaz as he greets people in the name of Jehovah, and listen to the ordinary people, greet him in the name of Jehovah, and bless him in the name of Jehovah. And that's what we're supposed to do. And I didn't do that to Keith Johnson, and I publicly apologize for doing that now, or forgetting to do that. If you're listening, Keith, Psalm 144, verse 8. Whose mouth speaks lying words, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood? So here, the word shav is translated as lying words. You may not have caught what I just read. I'm going to read it again. There's, there's a, a hidden message here that you can only understand if you understand the Hebrew. And I don't understand the Hebrew. I've learned this from Keith Johnson. Psalm 144, verse 8. Whose mouth speaking speaks lying words? Who speaks shav, lying words, or vain, 
which is another translation, but speaks lying words. So this vain means lying words. Here's the part you didn't catch. You just read right over. And whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. This psalm is showing us two Hebrew words that are used together many times to express something that we should be aware of. The words shav, vanity, or lying words, is often used together interchangeably with the word shakir, or shaker, meaning falsehood. This is very important to understand. Now look at the ninth commandment, Exodus 20, verse 16. You shall not be false, shaker, witnesses, against your neighbor. Moses then repeats the same commandment in Deuteronomy 5.20, but instead of using the word shakir, or shaker, he uses the word shav. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So he's using false witness in Exodus 20.16, but using the word shaker, and in Deuteronomy 5.20, he's using the word shav for false witness. What these scriptures are showing you is that the third commandment of not taking the name in vain can be better translated as not taking up the name Nasa of Jehovah falsely. Do you understand that? Exodus 23.1 Thou shalt not take up Nasa, a false shav, report, but not thy hand Put not thy hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Put not thy hand. That goes back to uh, Psalm 144.8. What's this right hand? Right hand of falsehood. What is this? What are we talking about? It's when you take an oath and you put your Bible on the Bi uh, uh, your hand on the Bible and you raise your right hand and you swear that you're going to speak nothing but the truth and the whole truth. So help you, God. And the Hebrew letters here express that. It is from the swearing in Hebrew that we get the idea of raising our right hands in a court of law to swear upon the Bible. The word nasa, and, which is to lift up, and hand are translated as I swore. So here's Jehovah doing it in Jeremiah 22, 24. As I live, says the Lord. Deuteronomy 32, 40. For I raise my hand to heaven and say, as I live forever. Jehovah's taking his hand and swearing by himself, raising his right hand and saying, as I live. There is no higher authority than me, and I'm swearing by my own name. We've got other examples of people swearing in the name of God. Samuel, in uh, 1 Samuel 28.10, and Saul swore to her by, oh, sorry, it's not Samuel, it's Saul doing this. Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Jeremiah 4, 1 and 2. If you will return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me. For if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be moved, and you shall swear, The Lord lives. Jehovah is telling us that we're to swear the Lord lives. We're to swear in his name. So this, now read the rest of this. Then you shall not be moved and you shall swear the Lord lives in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. The nation shall bless themselves in him and in him they shall glory. So when we swear 
and raise our right hand, we're invoking the name of Jehovah. Do you see what we're doing here? Exodus 6, 8. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I swore. That's Nasa and hand. Yod Dalet. Ezekiel 20-23. And I raised my hand in an oath to those in the wilderness that I would scatter them among the Gentiles and disperse them throughout the countries. He's done that. He's done that. He kept his word on that one. Jehovah's vowing by no greater authority than his own name to do these things. And he's lifting his hand, making an oath. Psalm 24, 3 to 4. Who may ascend into the hill of our Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Okay, so what do you mean, lifted up his soul to an idol? What's that mean? Think on it. We've got some examples here in the Bible. So back to 1 Samuel 25, 26. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives. 2 Samuel eleven eleven, As you live and as your soul lives, I will do this thing. Psalm 24 is then saying, Who has not lifted up, Nasa, my soul, Jehovah's soul, in vain, Shav, and has not sworn deceitfully to take my soul in vain is to take a false vow, swearing by their soul in the same way one would swear by the God or the God's name. Joseph swore to the, his brothers that he would not harm them in Pharaoh's name. You swear in the name of the highest authority in that land, the king. But here's the highest authority in the universe, Jehovah. And he's telling us to swear in his name so that we tell the truth. Deuteronomy 6.12 You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. Deuteronomy 10.20 You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. Okay, so I got to address this because there's a lot of people say that, you know, Joe, you're, you're a fear monger. All you teach is fear monger. Teach the curses and all these bad things are going to happen to us if we don't obey. Blah, blah, blah. Here it is telling you right now. Jehovah's saying you are to fear him. You're to fear him because he can kill you for not obeying. Here we are coming up to Shavuot. The Feast of Oaths. We swore five times we agreed all that the Lord has said, we will do. All that Jehovah has said, we will do. Five times we agreed to that. When Moses asked us these things, we had a supper. We sent 70 elders of Moses up the mountain. They had supper with Jehovah. They killed the, the lambs and they sprinkled blood on the books and on us. It's the same as Jehovah walking between the pieces of meat when Abram did it made the covenant with Abraham, and he got blood on his feet. That blood is the blood that you step in when you cross the threshold. We talked about that. Actually, I wrote about it. I haven't talked about it yet. I'm going to have to go back and do that one. We've been a little bit busy the last few weeks. That's the threshold covenant. 
You get to go into the house when you agree to keep that covenant and you step over that threshold and that's your agreement. That threshold is the Kidron Valley where Yeshua was killed on the Mount of Olives. That's where the blood was poured down on the corner post of the door, the sav in the door. And the temple was on the other side. It's his blood on our feet. It's his blood that's on us and on the books that we've agreed to keep this covenant. Our ancestors. Those of you who are going around and confessing the name of Jesus, saying, I believe in Jesus, I confess the name of Jesus, which is what, I think it's Romans 10 that says that. What you're saying is, if you look it up, that word confess refers back to the covenant of Mount Sinai. So you are confessing your sins. You are agreeing to go back and keep the covenant of Mount Sinai. Oh, but the law is done away. The Torah is done away. We don't have to do that no more. Okay, then we'll all come to your house and rape your wife because it's okay. Is that what you're saying? We can kill you. It's okay. The law is done away. Stop being an imbecile. Stop being so stupid with your comments that you whip off the top of your head that you've been taught at your churches. Open up your Bible and read it. The same Elohim that wrote the Torah and gave it to us at Mount Sinai was the same Elohim that John said spoke and created and came and lived amongst us and we hung him on the tree and killed him. He's the same one. Deuteronomy 6, there is only one God. There's not two, there's not three, there's not a whole pantheon. There's only one. And we made the covenant with him. So what's that unpardonable sin? What's that unpardonable sin? Do you know yet? The unpardonable sin is when we lift up the name of Jehovah. Hang on, I gotta go read this. Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall not lift up the name of Jehovah and lie. For Jehovah will not hold him guiltless who takes his name and lies. What did Ananias and Sapphira do? They made their gift in the name of Jehovah, saying that it was all they had. They lied. They lifted up the name of Jehovah and lied. What were the, the Pharisees doing when Yeshua warned them about the unpardonable sin? They were saying that God's Holy Spirit was Beelzebub. Because Beelzebub can't heal, but Jehovah's Spirit does. Do you see the connections here? We are to greet each other in Jehovah's name. And we're to bid each other farewell. Jehovah bless you and prosper you in all that you do. Jehovah be with you. Jehovah bless you. Jehovah keep you. Jehovah shine his face on you and your family and protect you from what is coming. That's what we're supposed to do all the time. But the minute you raise up his name and you say his name and then you lie, you're a dead man. You're Ananias or Sapphira. You're those Pharisees. And Jehovah will not forgive that man who takes that name, his name, his special name, 
his holy name and lies with it, who lifts it up and lies with it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what I believe to be the unpardonable sin. Now, Keith Johnson did not say that, so don't tell him I said, you know, that he said that. No, he did not say that. He skirted around it and didn't, you know, didn't exactly answer, told me to go look it up, go do my own research. Well, he knows I'll do it. So I've given you some stuff here. Go and get his book. And I think that's chapter six that I'm talking about right now. It totally blew me away when I read it again. But I urge you to get his book. So may Jehovah bless you and keep you. May he reveal his truths to you. And may he help you to understand his Torah so that you can prove all things, so that you can teach others how to lift up his name and praise others and bless others when you nasa the name of Jehovah. Shalom, brethren. This is Joe Dumont from SightedMoon.com. Jehovah be with you. It is because of listeners like you who have had the foresight to both pray for us and financially support this program that have allowed us to continue to teach others who are still looking for these truths. Because you have paid it forward, many are now able to hear this message and to learn these truths about the sabbatical and jubilee cycles along with the magnificent prophecies which could only be revealed in these very last days. When you support our efforts financially today, we are able to produce more radio and video teachings that help others who are waking up and beginning to look for the God that warned us of these curses that are already happening on the nightly news and of even worse, what is yet to come. You can send your support by going to our support page at www.sidedmoon.com or by mailing checks, bank drafts, or money orders made out to Joseph F. Dumond, P.O. Box 21007 RPO, 151st Street, Orangeville, Ontario, Canada, L9W, S30. On behalf of those yet to be called, we thank you for helping us get this end time warning out.